this is a huge market, right? And it's going to rebound. And so I think you do need to ask investors for more trust if you're a startup CEO right now. Hey, we didn't maybe meet the aggressive growth plans we had originally put in place, but we do have XYZ traction that show we have real product market fit. We have fundamentals. We have real unit economics. So those businesses, even if they're not growing as fast in this environment, there's still opportunity and, you know, there's still, there's still opportunity for them to get funded. Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, your host for the Housing News Podcast and CEO at HW Media. Today, we're kicking off a special series of podcast episodes. They're special because we recorded them in person at Housing Wire Annual, Housing Wire's big annual event, which we hosted in October in Austin, Texas. Next year, we're bringing our big annual event to April, and we're rebranding it and calling the event Housing Wire The Gathering. So stay tuned for more information on Housing Wire's in-person events, The Gathering. Today, I have a special guest. His name is Nate Levin. Nate is an incredibly talented, exciting, and experienced prop tech and real estate technology investor. In this conversation, we talk about the current market dynamics in venture capital investing and private equity investing. We tie out those perspectives, not only with what investors need to understand, but also what operators and users of these technologies need to understand. Nate shares his path into becoming an investor in this landscape and a lot of current market dynamics that are really important as the market goes through an evolutionary change. I hope you enjoy this episode with Nate Levin. All right, we're here at Housing Wire Annual, and I have the pleasure of sitting down with Nate Levin. Nate, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, so we initially crossed paths through your venture investing activity in the prop tech space through yep. Parker 89. Yep. You have a deep repertoire of expertise and experience advising CEOs and investing in prop tech companies. Tell us a little about the career path that led to the specialization in prop tech. Yeah, well, it was, I guess, very unorthodox in the sense that I studied history. So nothing related to real estate or finance or any of the stuff that yeah. I do today. Um, but then went into technology shortly after I graduated. My first job was with Siemens Venture Capital, a big German company. Went to then work operationally uh, for three different startups. One we spun out of MIT. It was a database company. One in enterprise workflow software. One in cybersecurity and telecom. Um and, and, and then started venture investing. So worked with the lead investor in those companies. Realized I loved having my hands in multiple things, like learning from these CEOs, getting to interact with them and help them grow their businesses. Um, but also wanted to actually spend time in more of a structured environment. So went to Boston Consulting Group and spent four years there. Um, and there I worked with, my first project was uh, with, um, with, with First American. and. Okay. We actually built Endpoint, a uh, closing uh-huh. and title company, which is First American's digital title business. That's really so. So First American tapped BCG to like help with the development yeah. of a of, of Endpoint. Something they knew needed to happen, but they weren't able to bring to market internally without support. Or is that kind of how they exactly? Get so I worked for Digital Ventures, okay. which um, is Boston Consulting Group's yeah. uh, digital arm, right? And so we incubate businesses for clients. And, uh, and I learned a ton through that experience about the housing ecosystem and mortgage markets, et cetera, and uh, ended up specializing in that over my career at BCG, worked for another, a number of other financial institutions and banks and secondary markets players involved in, in mortgage securitization. 
Um, and we looked at a ton of opportunities in the housing ecosystem. And through that experience, I realized, look, well, consulting and advising is one thing, but actually investing in those businesses is another. And so I wanted to take the previous part of my career and combine that with what I learned about the housing ecosystem. And that's when I went to First American uh, with built Parker 89 and, you know, deployed uh, around half a billion dollars ultimately in, in venture investments. We have that type of career decision in common. I was an investment banker on the, on the advisory yeah. side, <laughs> doing a lot of media deals, loved the, the challenge and access of investment banking, but uh, was so intrigued by actually putting money to work and being right. the investor and then the operator of the advice. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I definitely see the, the intrigue of moving across the market. Um, as you gain more experience and exposure. So if we think about the prop tech and real estate technology space over the last five years, what have been the themes that have been important in your investing activity as we look slightly in the rear mirror? Then we'll, we'll look at the future. In yeah. I mean, like I said, when I was consulting, I, I got the chance to look at the, the broader housing ecosystem. Yeah. And so there were a bunch of theses I had developed um, from that work that I, I knew I wanted to invest in. So one was mortgage software, right? A lot of the mortgage software is outdated and there's a big opportunity to use modern design principles and technologies to just make that process 50%, 75% more efficient. Um, so invested in loan origination software, um, invested in capital market software, and that was an obvious area. You know, the second area I think was was exciting was looking at the, the transaction and how um, you know, the, the agent part of the transaction could be optimized, right? So building technology to make it easier for agents to serve their customers, to connect agents to other parts of the process. Um, we invested in some, uh, we, we invested in some tech brokerages that kind of owned more of the entire transaction experience yep. and, and were able to optimize that through the technology they built. Really interesting. Okay, so... Here we are in fall of 2023. Last 12 to 18 months have been volatile to say the least. That's impacted players in the industry, but it's also impacted the flow of capital. We've seen less funding rounds. We've seen lower valuations. Give us a glimpse into how venture-backed companies in the market today are operating and dealing with the the market dynamic that that they must work through. Yeah. I mean, the name of the game is if you're a transaction-based business model, which most of them are, it's to save cash and uh, try to grow if you can, but ultimately look towards when times get better. And uh, the market's going to rebound. We know it will happen. We just don't know when it will happen. And I think that's what makes it really difficult uh, for most companies in prop tech right now. So maintain cash, try to raise more money on future growth prospects. Um on or, future growth prospects, which is the yeah. really tough part. When you, it like is. You're showing a business but we all know that this is a huge market, right? And it's going yeah. to rebound. And so I think you do need to ask investors for more trust if you're a startup CEO right now. Hey, we didn't maybe meet the aggressive growth plans we had originally put in place, but we do have XYZ traction that show we have real product market yeah. fit. We have fundamentals. We have real unit economics. So those businesses, even if they're not growing as fast in this environment, there's still opportunity and, you know, there's still, there's still opportunity for them to get funded. Um, and then, you know, if you're a software subscription-based business right now, you're in the best of situations because you've got locked in, you know, subscription revenue that uh, ideally you can continue to grow and is much more predictable, right, than transaction-based revenue. And so those companies are still, still doing really well and they're able to raise. And 
I think it's the more capital intensive business models that are that are hurting the most. So the business models that had the distinct Opco and Propco, those two yeah. acquisitions needed to happen. Okay, it's, I mean, some of them separated Opco Propco. Some of them had them together. Yeah. Right. I think that was a big mistake for a lot of those businesses. But ultimately, yes, having a big balance sheet. Not the greatest time. All right, so Nate, what <laughs> advice would you give operators and entrepreneurs who, who need to go back to raise capital, whether it's for, for growth or cash or a, uh, acquisitions? Like, how do you guide operators on managing the narrative, managing the story about like, hey, these are the things that are working really well. We've had this headwind, yeah. but like, what's the what's the narrative there? I mean, part of it is the story, right? Like, Look, you can craft a strong story even if maybe you don't have the growth, but you have great unit economics, high gross margin, software subscription business, those things. But part of it is sometimes just the business model is it's a hard business model for the environment we're in. And I think that's where companies have to get creative and pivot. And I'm seeing a lot of that in the market right now is businesses who maybe started in one direction, let's say mortgage origination and and moving into another direction. Um, like uh, more marketing or lead gen services, which are obviously more highly valued right now and very hot because people need those leads. Um, so look, a great company has to be adaptable. They have to be willing to pivot and make changes. And this is truly testing that. All right. So if you're deploying capital today or starting the next great prop tech or mortgage yeah. tech business, where are you focusing your energy? What's the vertical? What's the niche? What's the solution that needs to be invested in today for Business success, but also capital return. Yeah. Um, there's a couple areas in prop tech I think are exciting. I, I, the first I'd say is I, I do think there's still an opportunity that's really exciting in mortgage technology. But what I would say is it's more for kind of point solutions, right? Yeah. These are things like automated underwriting systems, OCR, NLP on, on documents, Things that will have an immediate effect on the unit economics of the business. Um, so on, on those types of point solutions, how do you differentiate between what's a point solution that should be a standalone business and what should be a feature inside of a, a larger suite? It's a good question. I think that, I mean, many of them should probably be features inside of larger suites eventually, but that doesn't yeah. mean you can't build, you know, a hundred million ARR business or something like that with some of these smaller solutions in mortgage. You know, there's... There's the core systems in mortgage software, like LOS, POS, yeah. capital market software, you know, servicing software. But then outside of that, you have a ton of different other areas where there's still value buckets. They're just not as big. And it might create more or require more of a consolidation approach to get the kind of venture returns that most investors are looking for. And I think this is why a lot of venture investors might pass on these opportunities because yeah. they seem a little bit smaller. But I think there's some of still the, the most exciting in terms of you know, opportunity to grow immediately. So okay. that would be one area. Um, so we're at a stage in the market where props, prop tech still feels like there's a lot of digital evolution to happen, but we're in a mature enough industry where we're not just talking about venture capital early stage or our private equity deals happening yeah. in, um, in the software and technology space. So how do the markets differ between what we're seeing in tech value or VC valuations of funding versus what private equity is looking for in this, in this market? Yeah, I mean, it, I... So I would have thought private equity have been a little more active than they have been by now, but I think most of the PE shops are waiting for valuations to correct a bit more. You know, there's, there's still a lot of hangover, I think, from the valuations we had over the last couple of years. Um, but I think PE are, a lot of PE firms are waiting on the sidelines to yeah. see when those valuations get more reasonable, um, if they can acquire some of these businesses, if they can do some roll-ups or take some more legacy um, 
let's say, mortgage software, real estate software businesses, and do acquisitions of some of these newer tech companies for reasonably priced valuations and merge them together. So they are waiting, but um, it may not be for another six months or year or even longer until those valuations come right. If we're thinking in valuation in terms of multiples and, and private equity, you can pull one of two levels. Like we can either like believe the growth forecast yeah. and like value off of next 12 month or even a, a further period, yeah. or we're going to pull down on, on the multiple. So like, where do you see more pressure in, in deal making? Are people putting pressure on the multiple? Is it on the, on the uh, P&L assumptions? Like where... It's, it's a combination of the cost side and I think the growth side, okay. like the firms that, you know, I've had conversations with, I think are looking at, okay, how do we make it more efficient from a cost standpoint? And that they have standardized playbooks yeah. to cut out a lot of those costs. Um, but also what are acquisition opportunities we can use to grow the value chain in a lot of these businesses? Because look, in real estate, one of the biggest challenges is getting those sales connections into the entities you're selling to and those distribution networks. Once those are established, then it's a no-brainer for a lot of businesses to sell more products and services. So I think they're being opportunistic about that. You know, they're looking at technology replatforming for some of the older school technology companies that are out there. Okay, that's interesting. So Nate, what's next for you? You've, you've recently made a career change. I know that you're looking at different market opportunities and venture. We just talked about some opportunities in private equity. Where does your attention go? What do you want to do professionally? I think there's a lot, you know, it's, it's in crisis, there's opportunity, right? And I think it's just a really exciting time for this industry. I still believe in the, the potential future value of this industry. And so, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm looking at investment roles. I'm looking at operating companies. Um, but ultimately, you know, we'll see kind of how, and also in my personal life, where I want to be based and those kinds yeah. of things play into it. But I think it's nice to have this opportunity in your career to do a little bit of reflection in such a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal time, right, in the 100%. industry. And, and make a you know, concerted choice about where I want to be. Well, so. Nate, thank you for joining. Thanks for sharing your expertise. I've loved following your investing career path. I'm sure there's big things to come. Thanks, Clayton. Appreciate right. it. Appreciate it. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the Housing News Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And a special thank you to our listeners that take the time to go to Apple Podcasts and provide a review on the show. I want to share some a quick glimpse into what some of our listeners have shared. James D44 let us know that this is a great series of hugely important information for any real estate professional. DC girl Kayla shared, this is a great housing podcast that provides a great variety of information and insights on all things housing. 10 out of 10 recommend. This type of feedback is so energizing and drives us forward to continue producing great interviews for you. Please take a minute to go to the Apple podcast app and let us know what you think. Have a great day.